Section 28 of Amusement Only. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter John Keeble. Amusement Only by Richard Marsh. By Deputy. A Reminiscence of Travel. Chapter 4. Evens. When Mr. Johns had beaten the men of Ahmednugger at almost everything at which they could be beaten, he began to amuse himself by taking a hand in various little games at cards. It was remarked that, to say the least of it, his luck was wonderful. There was scarcely a man in Ahmednugger who had not been compelled by Mr. Johns to take a lower seat. To take a lower seat, too, just where he felt, that his claim was strongest to take the highest one. Naturally, here and there a man resented it. An even stronger spirit of resentment was evinced when the men of Ahmednugger found that their money was going in search of their vanished reputations. There were some disagreeable little scenes. Then there was a royal row. It was at the club. Mr. Johns had been carrying everything in front of him. Things were said then other things were said. Then Mr. Johns laid down his cards. He faced the company. Gentlemen, I wish to inform you that you are individually and collectively a set of curs. There were sounds which suggested neither the ways of pleasantness nor the paths of peace. Softly postpone the fighting for one minute. I would remind you that when Mr. Greenall appeared in Ahmednugger, you all with one accord took shots at him. You used him as if he had been a variety of old Aunt Sally. When I made my appearance, you put your heads together and you bested me. You see, we were strangers and you took us in. Neither Mr. Greenall nor I quite liked this sort of thing. So we put our heads together, and in our turn we've bested you. We've used you as old Aunt Sally's. We've made you all sit up. We've made you all sing small. Even at games of mingled chance and skill, I've beaten you. Instead of taking your punishment like men, you begin to whimper. Therefore, gentlemen, I repeat that you are, individually and collectively, a set of curs. Colonel Smith interposed so soon as Mr. Johns ceased speaking. I fancy that the Colonel had only just entered the room. Mr. Johns, you very much forget yourself. On the contrary, Colonel, I am remembering myself. It is the gentlemen you have the honour to command who forget themselves. Should there be anyone present who resents the words which I have used, I should be happy to meet that person, either with the gloves or without them, or with any weapon he may choose for the honour of Ahmednugger. There was silence, grim silence. Probably there was more than one there who would have liked to have ground Mr. Johns between the upper and the nether millstones. But after all, they were gentlemen, in their way. Bean stood up, the adjutant of the blank. He was a big fellow, head and shoulders taller than the audacious little challenger. He went round to where Mr. Johns was sitting. Mr. Johns, you will either apologise for the words which you have just now used, or take a thrashing. I will take a thrashing, said Mr. Johns. He took it. What is more, he took it there and then. The meeting was immediately adjourned, 
and in the moonlight the little argument came off. The proceedings were a trifle irregular. Perhaps over here we should deem them so. I am not prepared to say that any dignitaries were actually present. Still, there was a goodly gathering. The two men peeled. In a very short space of time the little man had knocked the big man senseless. This is not a fairy tale. It is a simple record of a sober matter of fact. It almost seems as if Mr. Johns was a lineal descendant of the Admiral Crichton. Looking back, I really fancy that he must have been. When Mr. Bean's satisfaction had been signified in what I believe is the usual manner, Mr. Johns addressed the lookers-on. Is there any other gentleman present who would like to thrash me for the honour of Ahmed Nugger? Someone came out of the shadow, someone who in those parts was a very great man indeed. Mr. Johns, you will be so good as to leave Ahmed Nugger within four and twenty hours. Mr. Johns looked the great man up and down. He seemed to be in no way awed, even though he stood there in the moonlight without his shirt. I am at a loss, sir, to understand by what authority you address yourself to me in such a manner. I am in no way answerable for my movements to you. I have not broken the law. I have not even broken the peace. As it happens, I do intend to leave Ahmednugger, and in less than four and twenty hours, not in deference to your orders, but simply because I have had enough of Ahmednugger. Having taught your compatriots here about what it strikes me was a much-needed lesson, the next time they encounter strangers, except in the scriptural sense, not to take them in. The next day Mr. Johns did leave Ahmednugger, and I went too. He went his way, I went mine. I have neither seen nor heard of him since, but as I continued my journeyings, I felt that after all I had been even and more than even with the men of Ahmed Nugger, by deputy. End of chapter 4 of By Deputy Recording by Peter John Keeble, Nottingham, United Kingdom